Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for August 3rd, 2008. And this next part, we're going to be talking about the New King James Bible version in comparison to the King James. And uh, we're going to see if it, is, it is, if it is found weighed and found wanting, if it actually is a counterfeit. And I believe we're going to prove that. It's going to be very easy to prove. Now, a counterfeit is actually defined as something that imitates or a close copy, especially with intent to deceive. And again, just kind of bear that in mind as we go through this study here. Now, if you know someone who reads a New King James Bible, that this is a, this is a study that would be, um, you would really want to try to get into their hands and forward to them. And starting at this study, I'm looking at a picture of a, quote, Christian rock band. And they've got, uh, their name is Pod. Okay. Now, I know that that doesn't stand for portable on-demand storage. I know they've got these pods out that they, you can store stuff. No, I don't know what exactly it stands for, but in the pod, they have got the same, it's called the triquetra symbol, which is the same symbol that's on the New King James Bible. It's, it's in their, uh, it's in this picture with this band. Now, if you take this symbol apart, it's actually three hidden sixes, okay, with this tri- triquetra symbol. And I always found it was kind of crazy that this was actually on the cover of the New King James Bible. These guys are also wearing pentagrams on their orange jumpsuits. I mean, they look really Christian, long, real super long hair, and, uh, you know, they all look demon-possessed to the toenails, but I, evidently that's okay. I guess we it's okay not to flee all appearance of evil and just look like the world um, in order. You know, that's, that's the theme that they typically take, you know. Look and act like the world in order to win people to Jesus. And then nowhere in the Bible does it say we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Well, Jesus, they would say about Jesus, well, yeah, but he went in and he talked to people like prostitutes and tax collectors and... These types of people, yes, he did that, but he never participated in their sinful activities. His very presence convicted them of their sin. Okay, so if we go further, the greatest method of deception is to counterfeit. And the master of the counterfeit process and deception is Satan. Okay, so we're going to look to see if Satan has his fingerprints upon this particular version. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11, 14 through 15, it warns of Satan's counterfeit. And it says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed into ministers of righteousness. In regard to that's the way they appear, and all you have to do is turn on the TV, on the televangelists. You know, they try to appear as ministers of righteousness, but unfortunately they're ministers of Satan, for the most part. Isaiah 14.14 tells us Satan's ultimate counterfeit, where he says, I will be like the Most High. See, Satan himself was trying to be the ultimate counterfeit when he first fell. I will be like, I will ascend under the sides of the north. Okay, all these things that it was all about, I, 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 or, you know, for Satan. And among his greatest counterfeits is the New King James Bible, or the NKJV, is the abbreviation. Many Christians that would never touch a... New International Version, a New American Standard, or Revised Standard, or a New Revised Standard, or any of the other perversions are being seduced by the subtle New King James Version. And though the New King James Version does indeed bear a likeness to the 1611 King James Bible, as you'll soon see, there is something else coiled underneath its covers. 
Symbols are used throughout the occult. Harper's Encyclopedia of Mystical and Paranormal Experiences says on page 594 that symbols are important to all esoteric teachings, for they contain secret wisdom accessible only to the initiated. Many people have asked about the mysterious New King James Version symbol. Thomas Nelson Publishers, publishers of the New King James, claim on the inside cover that the symbol, quote, is the ancient symbol of the Trinity. This is the thing you'll always hear, the ancient symbol of the Trinity. But the Bible says in Acts 17.29, it clearly forbids such symbology. Where it says, we ought not to think of the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone or graven by art and man's device. Right there. Right there is the only verse I need to know that if you're going to say this symbol is symbolic of the Trinity, Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, which is what they're saying, Acts 17.29 says, we ought not to think that the Godhead, or the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art in man's device. This isn't something we should be attempting to do. We've done a whole expose on the cross as well. This, is, this falls into that too. And, and, and you can just key in the cross and um, listen to that teaching. Well, see, this symbol is actually a symbol for the Trinity. They're right. Uh, but unfortunately, it's the pagan Trinity. The triple Wiccan goddess symbol. The triquetra symbol. And we're going to absolutely prove that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Now, I'm going to put the PDF with this teaching. You can't see the pictures I'm going to be describing, but you will be able to click on the PDF. And as you're listening to this, I would highly recommend that you go along with the teaching and look at the symbols for yourself. And you can see I'm not making this stuff up. Now, why does the Aquarian Conspiracy, which is a key New Age handbook, this is a uh, book, why does it bear a similar symbol? New Agers freely admit it represents the three interwoven sixes of 666. Okay, I'm looking at the Aquarian Conspiracy by Marilyn Ferguson. Personal and social transformation are signs. And it's got a big triquetra symbol. Just like the New King James Bible has on its cover. Same thing. Constance Cumby, author of The Hidden Dangers of the Rainbow and notable authority on the New Age movement said, quote, on the cover of the Aquarian Conspiracy is a mobus. It's also another word for it. It is really used by them as the triple 666. The emblem is also on the cover of the New King James Bible. And it is said to be an ancient symbol of the Trinity. Now, the Bible says to flee all appearance of evil, right? Okay. Even if they could convince me or anyone that this is the symbol of the Trinity, why would you even want to push that envelope? Why would you even want to go there? Because the New Agers are using it for the triple Wiccan goddess symbol, which is what it is. Okay. Even if there was a good use for it, which there's not, you still wouldn't want to do that just because... They're also using this, and this is the true meaning of the symbol anyway. This old symbol had Gnostic origins. The word Gnostic means the hidden knowledge. It's, it's the carrot between all the esoteric mystery religions that they try to put out. And then he says, it was more Gnostic than Christian. I was rather alarmed when I noticed the emblem. That's what this Constance Cumby said in his book. The three esoteric sixes are separated, plainly displaying the interlocking 666. Now, I'm looking at the picture that does this, um, and you can look at it on the PDF file I'll put up. The triquetra is used as the centerpiece for the logo for the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology, or ITP. The ITP is a New Age school following Jungian 
psychology, the, cult, the occultist Carl Jung, one of their stated goals is to reach the recognition of the divinity within. The divinity within? Well, yeah, just like Genesis 3, 5 said, when Satan tempted Eve, he said, ye shall be as gods. That was the big carrot that he was putting out to tempt her. The same symbol with a circle is displayed by the rock group Led Zeppelin. Members of Led Zeppelin are deeply involved in Satanism and the occult. Guitarist Jimmy Page, also consumed with Satanism, actually purchased Aleister Crowley's mansion. So Jimmy Page, the guitarist for Led Zeppelin, purchased Aleister Crowley, the great beast, the, the one that, you know, basically there's pictures of him with 666 on his forehead. He purchased his mansion... And guess where his mansion was? On the shores of Loch Ness, Lake Loch Ness, where they have the Loch Ness Monster. I guess they like the vibe. The following picture that I'm looking at is called the Hieroplant, and it's taken from the tarot card set designed by Satanist Aleister Crowley. The Hieroplant, or Fant, is a priest in the occult and illusion. Notice there are three circles at the top of the wand or the rod in the Hieroplant's hands. Inside the three intertwined circles is the new King James symbol logo or the Triquetra symbol. Okay, so it was good enough for Aleister Crowley. I guess it should be good enough for the new King James Bible, right? One of the most occultic television shows ever aired was called Charmed. Charmed, like a charm, that's, that's something that's like witchcraft. When you charm a person or an enchantress, okay? It has to do with seducing through witchcraft. Charmed details the spells and the occultic practices of three witches. The New King James symbol is the show's primary symbol of witchcraft and is splattered throughout the series. They weren't trying to hide it. Notice the New King James symbol is also displayed on the Book of Shadows. The Book of Shadows is commonly used in witchcraft and Satanism. Uh, the Book of Shadows, also called the Grimroar, is the journal kept by either individual witches or Satanists, or by a coven, which is a group of 13 witches, and it records the activities of the group in the incantations they used. So this is the symbol on that Book of Shadows. Now, there is a book called The Craft, a book, a witch's book of shadows, and it is, it is a book of spells, enchantments, and rituals. It includes rituals... Spells and Wicca ethics. Wicca, like white witchcraft, the word Wicca means bent or twisted. Wicca ethics. So I guess it would be twisted or bent ethics because, you know, you're not going to get Christian ethics, that's for sure. But on this book, I'm looking right at the cover here, and it has as its centerpiece this triquetra symbol or this triple Wiccan goddess symbol. It is on this book, The Craft, and on The Craft, it's called The Companion, A Witch's Journal by Dorothy Morrison. Now I'm looking, going down further, I'm looking at uh, pagan jewelry. These are some examples of satanic and pagan jewelry, which, which include the New King James logo. A lot of times I'll go up on these um, pagan or occult jewelry sites to see um, you know, if they've incorporated any, any of this symbology into their, into their jewelry. And they do. Uh, and I'm looking at this one, it's kind of like this, uh, it's not a Celtic cross, but it's, it's along those lines, and it has this, this triquetra symbol interwoven in it. And then there's also this ring. Now, these are rings are right, right beside a ring with a cross on it, a ring with a pentagram on it, um, a ring of, like, skulls, and then you've got the triquetra symbol ring. All of these symbols an occultist or a Satanist would have no problem wearing. None, including the cross. 
we go further on the on this particular image I'm looking at is the image is from the rock group Decides album Once Upon a Cross. Now this is a satanic rock group. It's and it the symbol itself is a triquetra or what's on the New King James Version, with pentagrams and upside-down crosses on it. The group decides members are very serious Satanists. Lead singer Glenn Benton has an upside-down cross branded on his forehead. Now, that's how you know if they're really into the black stuff, if they have an upside-down cross. The inside cover of the album, Once Upon a Cross, has the Lord Jesus Christ sliced up in the middle with his insides removed. The name Decide, which, which is D-E-I-C-I-D-E, it's not the same word you think of. That means death of God. That's what the, the name means. They got no problem putting a triquetra symbol on their album cover. Okay, so it's actually called deicide. Oh, okay, deicide. Okay. Now, we go further. The triquetra symbol of this New King James is also the logo for the rap metal band Pod, which we had talked about. Portable on-demand storage. No, sorry. Sorry, that was made that up. But anyway... Um, yeah, that's their symbol as well. The book by, called Blood on the Doorposts by former Satanists Bill and Sharon Schneblin also documents the trio of sixes in the New King James symbol and goes so far as to claim it is symbolic of the Antichrist. A disguised interlocked trio of sixes, symbolic of the Antichrist, also symbolizes the triple goddess of Wicca, the three interlocked Vesica Pisces together commonly used in the Catholic liturgical iconography. I said that right, but anyway. When I was up in Cleveland on the 14-city tour I, do, I did on the Avion Flu, there was a guy that um, was kind of like responsible for ushering me around. And we were going to this one place he wanted to take me to, and as we were going by, I looked at this Catholic church as we were going by, and right over the, the main doorway as you walked in the front door, there was a... Stained glass, big, gigantic triquetra symbol right over the front door. And I thought, man, isn't that telling? You know, so it's also used a lot in, in this Catholic art. And we, we just talked about the Catholics and we've done many studies on them. So, uh, yes, it's connected with a lot of really, really, really wicked stuff. And, you know, as we know, it's also on the cover of the New King James Bible. Dr. Kathy Burns writes in her book, Masonic and Occult Symbols Illustrated, concerning the New King James symbol. Uh, Marilyn Ferguson, who's a New Ager, used the symbol of tr the Triquetra on her book, The Aquarian Conspiracy. We already talked about that. Variation of the number 666. Other books and material have a similar design printed on them, such as books from David Spangler, The Person Who Lauds Lucifer, and The Witch's Grimroar. Uh, as most people know, the number 666 is the number of the beast and is evil, and yet occultists and New Agers love this number and consider it to be sacred. As stated earlier, many organizations such as the World Future Society and the Trilateral Commission incorporate this symbol into their logo. I think it is quite interesting to see that this same symbol appears on the cover of the New King James Bible as well. Now, would God mark his word with this symbol of the occult? That's the question you have to ask yourself. And now we're just getting warmed up. So if we go further, the preface to the New King James Version reads, quote, A special feature of the New King James Version is its conformity to the thought flow of the 1611 Bible. The new edition, while much clearer, are so close to the traditional. 
So we're going we're gonna to see if that's really true, what that statement they just made in the preface of the New King James Bible. Among the first changes that greets the reader of the New King James Version is the removal of the much maligned thee, thou, and ye. The preface to the New King James states, thee, thou, and ye are replaced by the simple you. These pronouns are no longer part of our language, but thee, thou, and ye were no longer part of the language in 1611 either. This is something a lot of people don't know. So listen closely. Just read the intro into the 1611 King James. There is no thee, thous, and yees into the intro. In fact, Webster's Third International Dictionary says of the word ye, it was used from the earliest times to the late 13th century. 13th. Well, this is, we're talking about 1611 King James. Why are they using it in the King James? We're going to see. And yet, the 1611 King James was published 400 years later, in the 17th century. The Greek, so why are they there? Why are they the thousand these there? We're going to look at that. The Greek and Hebrew language contain a different word for the second person singular and the second person plural pronouns. Today, we use the one word you for both singular and plural. But because the translators of the 1611 King James desired an accurate word-for-word -word translation of the Hebrew and Greek text, they could not use the one word you throughout the Bible. If it begins with T... Thou, thine, or thine, it's singular. But if it begins with Y, or ye, it's plural. Ads for the New King James call it the accurate one. That's what they call it, the accurate one. And yet the 1611 King James, by using thee, thou, and ye, is far more accurate. By the way, if the these and the thous are no longer part of our language, why aren't the New King James translators rushing to make our hymn books much clearer? How great thou art to how great you are, or come thou fount to come you fount. How, that, doesn't that sound stupid? But why aren't they trying to update the hymns? Good point. Doesn't sound right, does it? Isn't it amazing that they wouldn't dare correct the hymns, and yet without the slightest hesitation, they'll correct the word of God. Pretty amazing. The New King James claims to make the old KJV much clearer by updating obsolete words. How about... That obsolete word, hell. The New King James removes hell only 23 times. Only 23 times it takes hell out of the Bible. And how do they make it much clearer? By replacing hell with Hades and Sheol. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but that, that's a lot clearer to me, Hades and Sheol. Webster New Col Collegiate Dictionary defines Hades as the underground abode of the dead in Greek mythology. Hmm. By making it much clearer, they turn your Bible into mythology. They're using a pagan source, a pagan, essentially, in a way, a pagan word, to make your Bible much clearer? I mean, hell's hell. People are pretty clear in that. Not only that, Hades is not always the place of torment or terror either. According to mythology, the Assyrian Hades is an abode of blessedness with silver skies called happy fields. <laughs> so, if you had a background in mythology or in the occult and you saw Hades, you'd say, hey man, maybe that's a good thing. In the Satanic New Age movement, Hades is an intermediate state of purification. Who in their right mind would think Hades or Sheol is up to date and much clearer than the word hell? Matthew 16.18 says in the KJV, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The New King James Version says in Matthew 16.18, And I also say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I mean, isn't that clear? I mean, I, I totally understand what that means. 
Luke 16.23, in the King James says, And in hell, the rich man, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Whereas the New King James Version says, And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Oh, it's much clearer, yeah, definitely. Hell is removed in 2 Samuel 22.6, Job 11.8, Job 26.6, Psalm 16.10, uh, 18.5, 86.13, 116-3, Isaiah 5.14, uh, Isaiah 14.15, 28.15, uh, 28.18, 57.9. It goes on and on and on. Okay, They removed hell that many times. When the New King James decides that maybe Hades should be grave, the word grave... So the new, the new King James makes 1 Corinthians 15.55 much clearer by changing the grave to Hades. And then it says in, in the New King James, 1 Corinthians 15.55, Oh Hades, where is your victory? <laughs> I mean, that sounds so crazy, doesn't it? It, it's, it should read, Oh hell, where is your victory? Um, and he goes on to say, yeah, it's clear as mud. Essentially. Another one of those obsolete words is repent. Obsolete. Hey, the New King James only takes the word repent out only 44 times. You know, which is kind of a major thing, key. You know, except you repent, you will shall likewise perish. Isn't that what Jesus Christ said? Okay. So, they only take it out 44 times. Let's be fair to the New King James guys. And how does the New King James make it much clearer? In Matthew 21.32, they use the word relent. Relent? Oh, that's so much clearer than repent. Matthew 27, 3 is, is changes it to remorseful. You could be remorseful and not repent. That happens all the time. For instance, a child molester gets caught. He's not, he's not repenting. He's, not, he's, not, he's remorseful he got caught. That doesn't mean he's repented of anything. Or Romans eleven twenty nine when they change repentance to irrevocable. That really is a lot clearer. Irrevocable. Yeah. doesn't even mean the same thing. Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. Um, they've changed. They've modified. They have taken away from the word of God. They have added to the word of God. And let's just look at what the Bible says about when we take away and add to the word of God. This is why I don't mess with the Bible. Let's go to the, let's go to the end of the Bible. Revelation 22. And see what Revelation 22 has to say about this. It's probably one of the most stern warnings in the whole Bible. Revelation 22, verse 18 says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Now, and it gets worse. Verse 19, And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy... Now, we've already seen that they've taken away all these words. We're going to look at that even further. But if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. That's not really something I want to mess around with. You've got to have your name written in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, in order to assure your place if you're going to heaven. It says that if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. And then he says in verse 20, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly, amen, even so come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. That's how the Bible ends. 
It's not exactly something I really want to mess around with. Um, Let's go to Proverbs 30, verse 6. Proverbs 30, verse 6 says, Every word of God is pure. See, the people that that write the the New King James Version and all these other perversions, they don't believe that. They believe that they're going to play God. They're going to say, Yea, hath God said. They're going to put themselves in a place only God can put himself in. When you start messing with the Word of God, you're playing God. The Bible says in Proverbs uh, 30, verse 5, it says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. And then in verse 6, Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Well, that's what they're doing in, in the uh, New King James. They're both taken away and added too. Let's go to Deuteronomy 4.2. Deuteronomy 4.2 reads, Ye shall not, uh, You shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it. So we don't add or diminish. That ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. This is not something we want to do. And you know, there is such a gigantic move now within pseudo-Christianity, within very different sects of Christianity, to remove the word of God, to come out with these false perverted Bibles, and then to take whole sections of scripture and act as though they don't apply. Like, the Messianic Jews are, you know, they just want to go back and live the Torah. You know, and that's an affront to Jesus Christ, because he redeemed us from the curse of the law. Okay? We're not to live, because then you go back to earn it, trying to earn your salvation. That's exactly what they're doing when they, when they go back to the old system. They observe days and times and years and do all the other stuff that we're not commanded to do, particularly as Gentile Christians. So you, you, you get that quite a bit in that particular movement. Exodus 32.32. Exodus 32.32. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whoever thou hast sinned against me, him will I not will I blot out of my book. So again, there is precedence for God blotting their name out of the book of life. Psalm 69, verse 28. Psalm 69, verse 28. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. So again, this is uh, the psalmist's plea for that. Daniel 12, 1. Daniel 12, 1, And at that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince which standeth up for the children of thy people, the archangel Michael. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was, since there was a nation even to that same time. And at the end of that time thy people shall be delivered, this is talking about the Jews, and everyone that shall be found written in the book. And we go down to uh, Daniel, then verse 4. We'll actually go to verse 3. And they that that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. Are you wise in God's eyes? You have to ask yourself that question. Now, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, beginning of knowledge, the beginning of understanding. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. Fear of the Lord is something that you should be praying for. Because it's the only way you're going to get true wisdom is if you truly fear God and if you're meek and humble before him. The Bible says, To this man will I look, to him that is of a meek and contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Well, if you want wisdom, you have to fear God. So verse 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Are you actively in your Christian walk trying to turn others to righteousness? That's something, I mean, it's just kind of a 
kind of a cool verse to ask yourself that. And then verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the end of time. Now this is in regard to the times we're living in. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. That's the time we're living in. A technological knowledge explosion. Unbelievable and unprecedented in any other time in history. And many are going to run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. But that doesn't mean all the knowledge is, is right knowledge or truth. That's why you have to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amos 8 verse 11. Amos 8 verse 11 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Now, if you have a New King James or an NIV or an American Standard Version like the Catholic Bible or a New World Translation, the Jehovah Witness Bible, if you have any of these versions which basically all spawn themselves from the 1881 Revised Version of Westcott and Hort, two high-level occultists that were commissioned by the apostate church in order to write a version, and they used two Catholic manuscripts, the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus, and they did this, and they contradicted each other in so many places that they just finally made a rule of thumb where they would say, well, wherever the, uh, these two texts um, contradict one another, we'll just choose the, the Vaticanus which I think is you know, just brilliant scholarly work. And they, these two high-level occultists made their revised version of 1881 through these two corrupt manuscripts gotten from the Catholic Church, in which essentially have spawned the vast majority of all Bibles that we have today. Now, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, the foundation of that Bible or any Bible written from it is corrupted. And the motivation for the corruption is Primarily money, because see, when they come out with these new versions, they can copyright them. And every time you copyright them, you have to change a certain amount of words and do this and do that. But when they come out with new versions, they can copyright it and they can sell it for all kind of money in the stores. It's all about the money. The love of money is the root of all evil. So, isn't this interesting? It says, Behold, the days will come, saith the Lord, I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but of hearing of the words of the Lord. Well, most people aren't using... King James Bible, which comes from a totally different line, and we're going to look at that later. No, no, they're, they're, they're content. They want that perverted word. They're not hearing the true words of the Lord anymore. And there's a thirst for it, but the people don't even realize what they're wanting a lot of the time, unless they're told. That's the day and time we're living in right now. There is a famine for hearing the words of the Lord. And then it says in verse 12, And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from north and even to east, and they shall run to and fro, just like it said in Daniel 12.4, that we just read, they, they shall run to and fro, and seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Well, hey, when you go into the, when you go into the Christian bookstore, 99% of what is there is not King James Bible, 99.9%. Yes, they'll usually have a small King James section, but that seems to be getting smaller and smaller. You have all your other perversions, and then you have all the other Christian books from various Christian authors. I don't really read a lot of Christian books and stuff. I don't have time, and I would just rather stick with the King James Bible. The current events that we do essentially confirm the Bible. And that's one of the reasons I have this ministry. I believe the Lord gave it to me for that reason. is to tie in the modern day current events to the Bible. Now let's go to Revelation 3.5. 
you know, Doug just brought up a good point. When we were up at Todd Bentley's, you know, the the minuscule amount of of Bible that was quoted wasn't King James, and it was totally twisted and totally taken out of context. This one guy talked about those golden lamps that fill with oil, and he said those were really hands or something. Uh, it was just he just totally twisted, and I mean it was so flagrant, and yet the people were there just eating it up. They were just eating it up. This guy was, I'm sorry, he was one of the worst preachers I ever heard in my life. But what he constantly kept doing at Todd Bentley's was, okay, who wants this? Who wants to be blessed by God? Who wants God's download? He kept saying that. Down, who wants to have this stuff downloaded into them? And this and that. And who wants a supernatural breakthrough? And who wants money? And this and that. And everybody, he's, what he was trying to do is get everybody to agree with him over and over. And over. Okay, now take your, the person next to you's hand. I want to do it. I didn't take nobody's hand. I'm not going to tell him. Tell me, he's not going to tell me what to do. Okay, now everybody come up. Everybody go back. Everybody sit down. He was trying to be. He was trying to get these people to jump through all these hoops, and Satan just loves to do that. So ultimately, you're in agreement with him. You're more open to his suggestion, and ultimately, you're going to give more money when they pass the uh, bucket or whatever they pass there. We didn't even stick around for that part. We had already been there over four hours. Just in the service, we'd been there a lot longer before that, and uh, we left before it got to that. Um, Revelation, this is just confirming the whole book of life thing. Where is the book of life mentioned in the Bible? Uh, where are some places? Um, Revelation 3, verse 4, There are a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. Now, it seems as though that you have to be an overcomer in order to be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Okay, so this is really, really, really serious stuff we're talking about here. And I've touched on this before. I'm not going to go down into a big study on that today. But it's just some of the the verses where this is mentioned. Uh, Revelation 13, verse 8. Revelation 13, verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, this is uh, the beast, whose names are not written in the book of life. Those are the ones that are going to worship the beast. Of the lamb and slain from the foundation of the world. The book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And then we go to Revelation 17.8. Revelation 17.8. The beast which thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. So just some verses that talk about, you know, the book of life in that regard. So if we go further here, let's see here. So we looked at the word repent that they had removed 44 times out of the New King James. And then the term New Testament is not in the New King James either. At all. The New King James replaces the word New Testament with New Covenant. Now that's really confusing. And this is also done in the NIV, the NRSV, the RSV, the NASV. It's an obvious assault on the written word and and done to confuse you. The word damned or damnation is not in the New King James Bible at all. No, they make it much clearer by replacing that word damned with condemn. Ditto for a lot of the other versions. Condemned is nowhere near as serious as the word damned. Damned is more of an eternal word. One can be condemned and not damned. Um, 
Romans 14.22 says, Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. Webster defines condemned to declare to be wrong, but much more serious and eternal. But the much more serious and eternal damn is, means to condemn to hell. In 2 Timothy 2.15, the New King James Version removes the word, remove that obsolete word, study. And this is the one, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Yeah, they, they take that word out totally. It's the only time in the Bible that you're told to, quote, study the Bible and they zap it. Why don't they want you to study your Bible? Maybe they don't want you to look too close. You might find out what they actually have done to your Bible. The real King James Version is the only English Bible in the world that instructs you to study your Bible. The obsolete, the obsolete word virtue is replaced with power. I mean, we're, we're talking totally different meanings. But see, in order to copyright these versions, there have to be a certain amount of changes. There has to be a certain amount of changes in order to copyright them. And that's why they do it, you know, so they can copyright and make the money. Um, so they've replaced the word virtue with power in Mark 5.30, Luke 16.9, or 6.19 and 8.46. How does anybody confuse virtue with power? Simple, by being buddies with the NIV, NASV, and RSV, or NRSV, that's why they did it. Because they're just like those other versions. In order to harmonize with the Satanic New World Order and with the other false versions, the New King James Version changes the end of the world to the end of the age. And in it is no longer the world to come, but the age to come. The New Age Movement teaches a series of ages, hence the word New Age. And then they give all the Bible verses here. Now, again, this will be posted with the uh, PDF for this thing, and you can go up and look up all these verses for yourself. I, I, I can't cover them all. There's just too many. Um, they change the word, New King James changes the word Godhead to divine nature. Divine nature and Godhead? Yeah. Yep. And if you think the New King James just innocently updated its obsolete words and removed the these and the vows, here's what the translators proudly admit. Now this is in the, um, this is what they're admitting to. They say, quote, it is clear that this revision, the New King James Version, required more than just dropping the F endings and removing the these and thous and up, updating obsolete words. They're, they're basically blatantly saying it, that they did a lot more than just taking out the these and thous and the yees. Here's a sampling of required changes. Genesis 2.18 says in the New King James, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. Comparable to him? Now, that would make Hillary Clinton proud if we got into that. It, no, actually, well, let's see. Let's just go to Genesis 2.18 and read what the King James says. Now, if there's a lot of, if there's any women libbers out there, they're going to like that quite a bit. And I'm not being prejudiced. I'm just trying to be biblical here. And when we look at Genesis 2.18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make and help meet for him. Now, that's God's words, not mine. Okay. But a lot of women that want to wear the pants don't like that. Just like the lady that's, that's on the attack um, and trying to promote this new King James Version who used to be a staunch King James defender, Barbara Ajo, she's, she's, um, she's absolutely trying to promote this new King James Bible now. And we're going to talk a little bit more about her probably next session. So then we go to Genesis 24:47. The old KJV reads, I will put an earring upon her face, but the new King James Version has different plans for beautiful Rebecca. 
And it says, instead of I will put an earring upon her face, it says, let's just go there, Genesis twenty four forty seven. It says in, in the King James, I will put earrings upon her face and the bracelets upon her hands. But the New King James changes that verse to, I will put a nose ring on her nose. <laughs> That's what the New King James says. Hey, they got out with a certain amount of t- changes, so... Where did it get the ridiculous idea to mutilate Rebecca? Well, just take a peek at the NIV, NASV, RSV. They all did the same thing. So see, the New King James Version is way more like the NIV and all these other perversions than it is the King James Bible. Ezra 8.36 says the KJV reads, And they delivered the king's commissions unto the king's lieutenants. Now the much clearer New King James Version said, And they delivered the king's orders to the king's satraps. What is a satrap? I'm sorry, I don't even know what that is. Satrap? Who thinks the word satrap is much clearer than the lieutenants? Well, all the other perversions do it, so they wanted to follow suit. Matthew 18.26 and Matthew 20.20. The New King James removes the words worshipped him, robbing worship from Jesus Christ. Uh, Mark 13.6 and Luke 21.8 removes the word Christ. John 4.24 changes... Uh, God is a spirit to an impersonable New Age pantheistic, God is spirit. John 14.2 changes mansions to dwelling places. John 14.16 changes comforter to helper. Acts 4.27 and 30 change holy child to holy servant, referring to Jesus. Acts 24.4 changes Easter to Passover. Now that's a major one there. I've done whole studies on that one. There's a specific reason that word is Easter. And it's very important. Acts 17.22 changes superstitious to religious. I mean, totally different words. Acts 24.14, and these are all what the New King James does, changes heresy to sect. Heresy to sect. That doesn't even mean the same thing. But again, that's pretty common with all these. Romans 1.25 changes the, the verse, change the truth to exchanged the truth. Now, exchanging the truth can mean you're passing it on. But changing the truth means you're changing the truth. You see how they're totally twisting the word of God here with this new version and how you would get very confused if you were reading this Bible? Well, the Bible says a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. Leaven is always compared to sin. And Jesus Christ said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, which is their doctrine. Well, what were we talking about today? We're talking about the doctrine of the Bible. So this is leaven that we're dealing with here. Romans 5.8 changes the word commendeth to demonstrates. Again, totally different words. I mean, I'm trying to think, man, if I was reading this Bible, I'd be getting really confused. The list goes on and on and on. I, I, I can't get into all the stuff. There's just, we don't have time. And that doesn't scratch the surface of all the other changes. The New King James removes the word Lord 66 times. It removes the word God 51 times. It removes the word heaven 50 times. In just the New Testament alone, the New King James removes 2,289 words from the King James. Remember it says if you remove any words out of the book of this prophecy or take your name out of the book of life. Not something I really want to mess with. The New King James makes over 100,000 changes overall. 100,000. Wow. And most, uh, most of these changes will match the NIV, the NASV, the RSV, or the RS, RVS. Thomas Nelson Publishers have, no, uh, have the audacity then to claim in an ad for the New King James, 
which was from Moody Monthly, June 1982, the back cover. And it says, this is what they, the Thomas Nelson publisher said about the New King James. It says, nothing has been changed except to make the original meaning clearer. Oh yeah, only 100,000 word changes, and we've just looked at some of them. But they say nothing has been changed. They're liars. They are of their father, the devil, and of, their, of his works they will do. Why is Thomas Nelson in business? To make the money. Oh no, it's not. It's to spread the gospel. I'm sorry, it's a leavened gospel, what they're spreading. It's leavened. They're a corporation, a for-profit corporation designed to make money. That's the bottom line. They have no true love for the sheep. So the New King James is a counterfeit. It's not new. The changes are already in the NIV, the NASV, and these other versions. And it's certainly not true to the 1611 King James. Let's go further. This is a little article entitled The New King James Version and the Derivative Copyright Law. According to the Derivative Copyright Law, the New King James Version is different enough from the King James Bible to be considered a new work. Or it contains a substantial amount of new material that is original and copyrightable in itself. Now again, they do this for the money. The typical example of a derivative work received for registration in the copyright office is one that is primarily a new work but incorporates some previously published material. This previously published material makes the work a derivative work under copyright law. To be copyrightable, a derivative work must be different enough from the original to be regarded as a new work or must contain substantial amount of new material. They even admit it. It's got to be to contain a substantial amount of new material. Well, 100,000 changes, I would say that's pretty substantial. Making minor changes or additions of little substance to pre-existing work will not qualify the work as a new version for copywritten purposes. You, you can't just change a little bit and get a copyright. It's got to be a lot. Thomas Nelson Publishers had to make substantial changes to the text of the King James Bible to obtain a copyright. They accomplished this by using multisyllabalistic words and more complex phrases to replace the simple words and phrasing found in the King James Bible. Let's talk about the Textus Receptus. The Textus Receptus is known by other names, the traditional text, the majority text, the Byzantine text, or the Syrian text. In his essay on textual criticism, Dr. Thomas Cassidy writes, the traditional text of the New Testament has existed from the time of Christ right down to present. It has been by, called by many different names down through the years, such as the Byzantine text, the Eastern text, the Received text, the Textus Receptus, and the Majority text. A few facts showing the respected historical position of the Textus Receptus. Now remember, this text does not underlie all these other perversions that are on the market. doesn't underlie... Well, the revised version, was, which is what spawned them of 1881, but the NIV, the American Standard, the New World Translation, the Living Bible, all that other junk, does not have the Textus Receptus underlined. The only one that truly does is the King James Bible. Its prominence this, of the Textus Receptus and the respect did not begin in 1611 with the King James translators. They merely recognized, as other before them had, that the Textus Receptus was God's preserved word in the original New Testament language. Consider the following. Um, all English Bibles since Tyndale's first New Testament in 1526 are based on the Textus Receptus. This includes Miles Coverdale Bible of 1535, the Matthews Bible of uh, 1500 to 1555, the Great Bible of 1539, the Geneva Version of 1560, the Bishop's Bible of 1568, and the King James Version of 1611. 
All of those Bibles had the Textus Receptus underlined. Now, the New King James, this next article is entitled, The Transitional Bridge to More Corrupt Versions. The New King James. This is interesting stuff here. Christians who have obeyed God and proven all things have avoided the yea hath God said modern Bible versions. Their determination to receive with meekness the true engrafted word, which is able to save their souls, has sorely vexed the one world church planners. Their solution to the remnant Christian, their solution to the remnant Christian who holds fast the form of the sounds in the King James Bible is the New King James. The New King James Version is allegedly based on the same manuscripts as the King James Version, the Textus Receptus, which is what we just talked about. However, it includes notes for every textual difference between it and the majority and critical text. The New King James extensive footnotes suggest words and phrases that are found in the modern versions. These footnotes, which are displayed at the bottom of the pages of the book, the translators falsely claim is the fifth revision of the 1611. So in other words, they're saying that the New King James is actually the fifth revision of the new of the of the King James Bible, which it's not. But these these um footnotes serve as a bridge to the modern Bible versions. See, this is the bridge to the more corrupt versions. This is the happy medium that Satan has put here as a Bible version in order to get you over to the NIV and the New World and the Living Version and all these other abominations they've got out there. The New King James preface reveals their plan to use footnotes to entice King James Bible believers into becoming textual critics. See, Satan loves nothing better than for you to become a textual critic. He loves it. Because what are you doing when you become a textual critic? You're doing the same thing the serpent did in the Garden of Eden. Yea, hath God said? Well, I know better. Listen to this. This was in, this is the New King James preface, and it, and it reveals their plans to entice King James Bible believers to become textual critics. It says, it was the editor's conviction that the use of footnotes would encourage further inquiry by the readers. This is what they're admitting to. They also recognized that it was easier for the average reader to delete something he or she felt was not properly part of the text than to insert a word or phrase which had been left out by the revisers. Now let me read that one portion again for you. Now this is the New King James preface. They also recognize it was easier for the average reader to delete something he or she felt was not properly part of the text. What? Talk about playing God with God's word. What right does anyone have to do this? To delete something he or she felt was not part of the text? Well, I don't like that verse. Well, the homosexuals do it all day long. They'll take every single reference that has anything to do with sodomy or homosexuality. The women's libbers, they'll take away anything that... This is one of the reasons they hate Paul so much. Because he wrote a lot about, particularly, um, the woman's position and the man's position in marriage, in the church, these types of things. So they call Paul the usurper. There's a big movement of that now. But they're all playing God by basically taking what they like and leaving out what they don't like. There's a lot of things in the Bible that bother me personally, but I don't have any right to take them out. It's not my call. Only God has that. And again, we look at the end of Revelation where it says, you know, if you take away the uh, words of the book of this prophecy, I'll take away your part out of the book of life. Not something I exactly want to mess with. But when you, you embrace these false versions, for instance, the NIV has 64,098 less words. Well, that's pretty much taking a lot out. Okay, that's taking a ton out. 
I'm not saying that person that's reading that Bible has personally taken those words out, but you're reading a corrupted word. And it's going to corrupt you eventually. And I'm telling you, the one thing that God showed me when I came out of the charismatic movement was when a lady gave me a tape regarding the King James Bible on its truth and authenticity compared to the NIV and all of these other versions. And that was what really got my eyes opened. And when I got my eyes open to that, all of a sudden I saw what was going on in the charismatic church, how it was so unbiblical. But it was crazy because I didn't see it before I got a hold of the King James thing. Because I believe to a certain extent my, my eyes were blinded to truth. But when I got the foundation set, which was the word of God, when I got that right, all of a sudden all these other things became obvious to me. It's that big of a deal. It's that big of a deal. And if our only offensive weapon against the devil, if you look at the full armor of God, which is the sword of the spirit, okay, that's our only offensive weapon against the devil. How did Jesus contend with Satan in the wilderness? Well, he quoted scripture. Okay. The sword of the spirit, you know, which is the word of God. It says that clearly. Um, this, the, um, the sword of the spirit is quick and powerful um, and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to the dividing of the soul and spirit and the joint and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is, And then the Bible says in Jeremiah 23, 29, is not my word... Like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. This is something that we really are going to need going into the times we're going into. If you're memorizing a corrupt word, though, is that word going to have the same power against the devils and the demons and the fallen angels that you are likely to contend with? I don't think so. I, a guy one time compared it that he was in a deliverance ministry, and he said, using an NIV. Um, when you're trying to cast out a demon, it's trying to like using a squirt gun compared to using a KJV. is like using a machine gun. Now, this is a guy that had experience with using the word of God regarding demonic and evil entities. Okay, They didn't really respect NIV scripture, but they did respect the KJV. That made them tremble. Okay, So it was just an interesting thing. So this is exactly something that um, Satan just loves. He wants every reader... To become this textual critic and be able to discern, to be able to delete something that they don't feel should be part of the text. We have no right to do that. None. In spite of this fact that the derivative copyright law requires that a derivative work must be different enough from the original King James Bible to be regarded as a new work or must contain a substantial amount of new material, the publisher's use of the term Textus Receptus has deceived many former King James Bible Christians into accepting the New King James. Because they say, oh yeah, we, we translate it from the Textus Receptus. It's all good. It is possible that the New King James copyrighted Bible version was consistently, or is it possible that the New King James Bible copyrighted Bible version was consistently translated from the same manuscripts the King James translators used? And yet to be so different from the King James Bible that it was regarded as a new work. You have to wonder about that. You know, well, again, we've already seen there's 100,000 changes. So it's not anything like it. Here are a few examples of the New King James New Testament verses which contain words that corrupt the Greek text. Uh, NIV, this is entitled NIV on the New King James Translation Committee. In view of the fact that half of the New King James Translation Committee favored, listen to this, 
half of the New King James Version Translation Committee favored the Westcott and Hort Greek text. Remember I said Westcott and Hort? They were guys in 1881, two high-level occultists that translated the two Catholic manuscripts into the Bible in the Revised Version, which spawned almost all the other perversions that we have today. These guys... You know, they got they, they had some good friends they hung around with, like Charles Darwin, Madame Blavatsky. I'm not lying, they really did. Westcott and Horn. These are the guys that translated the revised version. And you know, they, they went they got around and they did fun stuff like they had this one club called the Ghostly Guild, where they went around, they did necromancy and seances. They really did. They also had a club called the Club of Hermes. Hermes is like the god of I believe of death or whatever. Yeah, that's they had a couple clubs. They hung out with Charles Darwin. Madame Blavatsky, one of the most wicked Luciferians of all time. Modern day mother of the new age Luciferian movement. Other than that, it was all good. It was all good. You know. But yeah, the, the, the New King James Translation Committee favored the Westcott and Hort Greek text. Great. It makes sense that so many words in the New King James Version conform to those found in the false Bible versions. Because, hey, they were in agreement with it. Half the Translation Committee. Dr. Ar- Arthur Farstad chairman of the New King James Version Executive Review Committee, which had the responsibility of the final text approval, stated that this committee was about equally divided as to which was better, the Greek New Testament text or the Texas Receptus of Westcott and Hort. Or, I mean, or the Westcott and Hort one. So, hey, they were, they were equally divided. You know, some of them felt the Texas Receptus, the other one was Westcott and Hort. Thomas Nelson Publishers are not committed to the traditional text. Among other versions of what is being passed off as God's word, they published the American Standard Version, which is a revision of the Westcott and Hort 1881 revised version that we mentioned earlier. Now the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled. Where? In heaven. In heaven. See, God's word's established and settled in heaven. So you're telling me we've got literally hundreds of versions now. Most of them spawn from this 1881 perversion. And what does God do up in heaven? Like when somebody would quote scripture, this, and the Bible says that my word will not return void, my word. But what if it's a perverted word? doesn't count, does it? Well, we want the word that is forever settled in heaven as far as what we quote, what we memorize, what we read. Okay? But they, they don't look at it that way. Evidently, they believe there's all kind of words and they all match whatever's in heaven. Evidently, God's got like hundreds of translations up in heaven to try to keep up with it. It's, it's insane if you really start thinking about it. The New King James Version is a mixture of light and darkness. The New King James Version is just a compromise between the, between the liberal, perverted Bible versions floating around and the rock-solid, accurate, preserved words of God, the King James Bible. A little leaven in one's own Bible version will eventually spiritually leaven the whole Christian. I'm living testament to that because, again, until I got this thing straight with the King James Bible, there were many things I was blind to of what was going on in the apostasy of the church. Now the Bible says the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Where does it say that? Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. So the words of the Lord are pure words. Now we can see how Westcott and Horn perverted the words in the New King James. They're not pure words anymore. They're perverted words. And then God goes on to say that he will keep them, he will preserve them from this generation forever. The King James Bible stands alone, and it's the only modern English Bible version we have today 
that has accurately translated the Textus Receptus. It is the Bible for today. That's what um, Dr. D.A. Waite has on his website. That's the name of his website, the Bible for today. Okay? So that's what we have today. And if we know that God promises to preserve his words forever, and we've got all these other hundreds of other versions that are perverted, and then we have this one other line, doesn't that kind of limit our choices? Quite a bit. I mean, from that standpoint alone, it's easy to see which is the true version. Since the new minority text-based versions, which are these false versions, cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, because that's what they do, don't they? Don't they cause confusion? I mean, if the preacher's up there, I can remember being in Pentecostal churches. The preacher's reading out of his NIV. I might have a living. The guy next to me might have an American Standard Version. We're trying to read and follow, and it's not saying the same stuff. Well, God is not the author of confusion. That's another verse you can look at. So there's a lot of things you can do that don't line up. You know, God is the same today, yesterday, forever. I am God, I changeth not. Why would he have all these changes in all his words if it was the word of God? It would not change. So again, you can go into all these, ver- these Bible verses that you can think of that would contradict having all these other versions around. But these, these other versions cause division and offenses. Contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. And this is what, where it talks about in Romans 16, 17. Uh, Wherefore I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Most of the preachers in America are deceiving the hearts of the simple by good words and fair speeches. Plus, not only that, they're using a perverted Bible. So they're leavening you just by you going and sitting in their pews. You're coming under their spell. Because all you're at, you're at a 501c3 corporation most of the time. Don't think it's not going to affect you spiritually if you put yourself under that. It has to. It has to. I know because I've been there and done it. And when I came out of it, it was like, wow, the blinders had come off totally. Now granted, I was moving in that direction. But until I fully came out of it, I didn't really see it for what it was. Not fully. So there's, there's things that, like if you go up to uh, Pastor uh, D.A. Waite's website, the Bible for Today, you could do a keyword search for uh, Pastor D.A. Waite or W-A-I-T or the Bible for Today. Um, he's got a book titled The New King James Version Analyzed. Now, he's been a theologian for 60 plus years. Okay, he's got all the credentials, and he's a wonderful, humble man of God. He's a personal friend of mine, and um, he's the one I refer to Essentially, for anything of a King James origin, he's got just about every resource you could imagine for either defending or debunking this whole thing. I thank God put him on the planet, because I don't know anybody that's taken it to the level he's taken it to. Here's another article. This one's entitled, The New King James Version and the One World Church. The New World Order planners are working with prominent evangelical leaders to bring in the One World Religion and the One World Government. One of their main goals is to convince you to exchange your King James 1611 Bible for the New King James Version. The New King James, which falsely poses as a true-to-the-received-text version of the King James 1611, makes theological changes to the text that serve to merge Christianity with the One World Church. Again, why would it have a triquetra, the triple Wiccan goddess symbol, on its cover? The stylized 666. Huh. It's like Satan's paw prints right on the Bible, or hoof print. Sorry. 
Anyway, the truth of the matter is that the New King James Version represents Satan's ultimate deception to oppose God's remnant in the closing days of the New Testament age. Ooh, that's a pretty strong statement. Who said that? William Grady, author of Final Authority. I met him personally. Some reasons that Christians who sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ have exchanged their 1611 King James Bibles for the New King James Version are, number one, they have been told that the New King James is the fifth revision of the King James. The truth is, there have been several editions of the King James Bible, but no true revisions have been made. The word revisions is often used in reference to the several editions of the King James 1611. This is not a problem as long as you understand that the textual changes were negligible. In other words, they updated some of the words, they corrected some punctuation, things of this nature. The King James Bible that you most likely possess is a 1769 King James Bible. Okay, But that's not because it was changed like the New King James did it. These were just merely punctuation, certain updates and grammatical things in the words and things of that nature. So, then we go further. Number two, they have been assured that the New King James Version conforms to the Texas Receptus. Um, this is a partial truth that is a whole lie. And then they were also told the New King James is much easier to understand. Actually, the New King James Version is written at a higher reading level than the King James 1611. See, they had to write it at a higher reading level. Because in order um, to make the revisions necessary, they had to complicate matters. They couldn't... Simplify it more. They had to change a certain amount of words in order to get that copyright so they could make the money. This next article is entitled New King James and Lucius Trust. Now, we've talked about the Lucius Trust and the United Nations. Well, get that. This is pretty interesting. This ties all into that. I love it because virtually every single teaching that we've ever done ties into all the other teachings that we've ever done in some way, shape, or form. And that's called confirmation. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. The New King James Version translators remove the phrase, quote, he that should come, he referring to Christ, Jesus Christ, and replaced it with the New Age interfaith term, quote, the coming one. Wow. It did this three times in the New King James Version. In like fashion, Lucius Trust removed the word Christ, and replaced it with the coming one, just like the New King James did in their great invocation prayer when they revised it. Did you know they revised their great invocation? This is the prayer that the New Agers say to usher in Lord Maitreya, the Antichrist, who, who they believe he is. These changes make the world prayer more universal, more inclusive and unifying because it's the coming one, it's not the Christ. We're going to look at that. The text alterations made the New King James Version uh, accomplish the same result. The, textual, the text alterations made to the New King James Version accomplish the same result. Below are excerpts from the Great Invocation, a world prayer and mantra for the new age that Lucius Trust states is the major agent for the transformation of human will. This is mass witchcraft. When you pray these prayers, there are power in words. Okay? So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And... God spoke the universe into, his, 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 into existence through his word. And by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So, the original version of the great invocation prayer read, and this is just one tiny part, but it said, May Christ return to earth. The revised version of, in the year 2000 said, May the coming one return to earth. Isn't that weird? The new King James did the same thing in their reversions. Revision. The Lucius Trust explain their rationale for removing the word Christ and replacing it with the coming one. They said, Christ, unfortunately, too often is viewed as the sole 
providence of Christianity. True. And not relevant to people of other religions or of no other particular religion. See, we don't want to leave the Hindus or the Buddhists or the Confucianists out. We don't want to leave them out. And, and the word Christ is too Christianity bent. So we want to use the coming one because that could mean any of their messiahs. Imam Mahdi, the fifth Buddha, Krishna. See, the coming one for them, that's what the coming one is to them. These two points we think can be modified if deemed necessary without compromising, uh, compromising the unparalleled spiritual value of the great invocation in the verse which follows. The Lucius Trust One World Religion planners remove the word that is too often viewed as the sole providence of Christianity from their world prayer and replaced it with a word more conducive to the formation of a one world church, which is the coming one. The New King James Version translators did the exact same thing. The New King James Version translators replaced the phrase, he that should come, with the coming one. The New King James translators gave the Lord Jesus Christ the title of the New Age World Teacher, the coming one. Well, this is going to play right into the hands of the Lucius Trust, the New World Order boys and girls. There. The New King James translators gave the Lord Jesus Christ the title of the New Age World Teacher, the coming one. Uh, New King James reads in Luke 17.9, And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? <laughs> Luke 7.20 says, When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Matthew 11.3, this is all New King James, said, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Since the coming one is the New Age world teacher, the Antichrist, it follows the New King James Version translators, remove the title, Master from the Lord Jesus Christ and replaced it with the word teacher. And we see this in Matthew 8, 19, 19, 16, 22, 6, 23, 8, 23, 10, Mark 5, 35, Mark 10, 17, and Mark 12, 32, and many more. So, okay, we're just starting to get into this. We're going to continue this next week with the New King James. We probably have another, at least another hour session on this because I really want to drive this point home. Not only is this a defense of the King James Bible, but we're also looking at the New King James, and it is weighed and definitely found wanting. So I'm going to go ahead and close this out today with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us. Lord God, for all your mercy and goodness. I praise you, Lord God, for Lord God, the air that we breathe, the food that we eat, the water that we drink. Pray, Lord God, for those that are not as fortunate. And, and I just pray, God, that you, you, you bless the, all the Christians out there, Lord God, your true remnant. I do pray, God, that your angels would encamp around about them and protect them. I pray, Lord God, that you would use these teachings wherever your word is being preached worldwide, Lord, for your glory. And that through it, Lord God, you would win many and lead many to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that thy name would be glorified. I pray, Lord God, that you would forgive us for any and all sins we have committed in any way, shape, or form. That you would wipe our slate clean. And that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing in your sight. Praise you and we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.